ladies and gentlemen. Nope, nope, none of that. No intro needed, no intro song today. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a very special episode, and maybe not for the right reasons, um, but thanks again for joining us. And of course, I've got Craig with me. Craig, I'm not sure where you are, but how are you today? Well, I'm doing great, but I'm still in the sewers of Chicago because I refuse to come out. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm going into hibernation like a grizzly bear here. Okay, well, fair enough. Um, hey, we're just going to jump right into it. Hopefully, uh, you'll be able to stick with us as far as Wi-Fi is concerned from the sewers. It worked last time, so I'm not too worried. There's a lot to go over, kind of just a few different topics, though. Uh, first things first, I want to start out on a positive note because it's going to take a turn uh, pretty soon. Dylan Cousins, uh, you know, people have been clamoring for this kid ever since he got drafted. Uh, he's looked great. You know, the points aren't necessarily there so far this year. Um, he is contributing uh, more than, you know, some players on the team. But, you know, it's, it's how this kid plays the game. And, you know, look no further than the other night. Dylan Cousins got in a fight right after the game where Darlene was calling people out saying, I don't know what we got to do, maybe get in a fight or something. And Dylan Cousins, after it's 3-2 to two New York, in the third period, he gets in a fight. And he actually, I mean, he was throwing some pretty good haymakers. I mean, he didn't knock the guy out, but you could see, I forget exactly who it was, um, but he knocked his mouth guard out. His helmet came off early. He was definitely getting the best of them. And kudos to Cousins because, you know, nobody else is doing that right now. He's one of the youngest guys on the team, and he really brought some energy to the team. And you could see that reflected in their play for the rest of the game. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't result in a goal, um, so they fall 3-2 to the Rangers in regulation. But, uh, Craig, thoughts on Dylan Cousins, you know, thus far this season? I know we touched on him a little bit, um, but specifically, you know, the fight and just going and getting it done. I really have liked Dylan Cousins this year um, from the start. In fact, I was uh, questioning a little bit how he would look after the World Junior he had. The World Junior he had was fantastic. Um, and then my concern was more, you know, how was he going to look conditioning-wise? He hadn't played too much hockey prior to that. You know, jumping to the NHL without a training camp and things like that. You know, I, you know, my main question became how was he going to respond to those types of challenges? And the truth of the matter is he's been, quite honestly, I mean, I think you can say he's been one of the best Sabres on a lot of the nights that he's played. And that's that we'll talk about why that's a problem. In fact, everybody knows why that's a problem. But, you know, it, it's great for him. It's great for the fan base because you see a player that you think maybe the Sabres could build around a little bit. Um, you see a guy who... They drafted in a high draft position who may not just be a complimentary piece. He might be a driver. He might be a leader. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of positivity with Dylan Cousins. There's absolutely. So I'm, I'm going to say this to you, John, that nothing in this episode today is actually directed at Dylan Cousins. And he might be one of the few guys on the team who you could say that for where Dylan Cousins is the only guy who's safe from the criticism right now because he's doing everything right. And here's my problem with the fight. I love the fight. I love the fact that he did it. I hate the fact that he had to do it. And the fact that a kid who's as young as him, who has his little NHL experience, felt the need to drop the gloves when you've got guys on this team who are much more in a position to do so. 
look, let's let's be very honest. You know, Kyle Pozo talked about how it oh it sparked the bench more than it ever did this season. That's horrible. That's an awful. I mean, it's a great thing to say for Dylan Cousins. It's a nice confidence booster for him. It's a horrible indictment of the team and their mental trajectory right now. That's absolutely awful. It takes a kid that young to throw hands to get the bench going. A bench that we talked about was full of veterans. And we were all excited about it because the Sabres bring in Eric Stahl and Taylor Hall and all these veterans where now it's not just the young guys having to lead the team. Well, guess what? You bring in all these veterans, it's still the young guys who are having to lead the team. So, quite frankly, I mean, he shouldn't have to do that. Dylan Cousins needs to be on the ice for those five minutes because he's one of the few guys who puts in the effort and is having some success, especially alongside Taylor Hall and Eric Stahl. Of course, a line he was taken off of after his uh, sitting for his rest time, uh, which, again, I understand why they sat him. I understand, you know, the whole managing his games. Okay, I mean, I can buy that a little bit. I can buy that better than the Skinner explanation, that's for sure. However, I can't buy for the life of me why you took him away from Taylor Hall and Eric Stahl. That, to me, is just, that's, I mean, put it on the list of inexcusable things that have happened with this team over the past month because that line's one of the few things that was working and, of course, they decide to break it up because, you know, that, that's a good idea. Let, let's, let's break up the few things that are working. So um, Dylan Cousins, to me right now, is the most consistent player on that team. Uh, he, aside from Linus Allmark before he went down with his injury, um, I think he's one of the most important guys moving forward. And I've got nothing but great things to say about Dylan Cousins. And, uh, and it's a shame that he had to do that yesterday in order to uh, spark a team full of veterans and three guys who are making nine million dollars or more. Uh, that's just that 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 to me just shouldn't happen ever. But but however, you give him the the credit he deserves as an individual. Yeah, for sure. And you know, there's really not. Uh, you know, we could go on and on about Dylan Cousins. Um, there's not really much to dislike about his game. Uh, I think Kyle Oposo said in the interview, um, you know, he, he's doing everything right and sky's the limit for this kid. He plays the game the right way, and he really does. You know, every, every single shift he's out there, you know, he's he's even finishing checks. Um, he's very fast. You know, his, his decision-making is right up there with the best on the team. And, yeah, I mean, this kid, as far as untouchables, because everybody likes to discuss the word untouchables on this team every single day. But I mean, Dylan Cousins, has he not cemented himself in in that conversation along with, at this point, maybe a couple other players? And and I mean, I'll, I'll even name a couple. Um, I'm interested to see your thoughts or hear your thoughts on who they might be. Um, Sam Reinhart, I don't know if he's untouchable, but he's Look, Sam Reinhart has gotten better every single year in his career. So I don't know why you would want to move on from a player like that unless you're getting some ridiculous overpayment in return. Um, untouchables, it might be an overstatement, but Reinhart, to me, he's in that conversation. I'm going to skip down. We've got Cousins, and, I mean, you probably got to throw Darlene in there. Um, he didn't have the best start to the season, but he's looked better as of late. And I think you said it last episode, Craig, you know, you need to build around a couple of cornerstone pieces and Darlene, you know, say what you want about him. He's a negative 17 on the year or minus 17. 
whatever. Okay, he's still going to be a really solid player for a very long time, even if he doesn't get to that number one overall potential that everyone thought he was going to have. After that, I'm scrolling down the list, and it's hard to pick another player uh, as far as untouchables go. Uh, I mean, maybe you could throw Allmark in there, but he's not untouchable in my opinion. If, if we're going truly untouchables, he's not untouchable. He's somebody that I would like to see on the team moving forward. But man, that <laughs> it's really coming down to like Darlene and Cousins at this point. Do you have anybody else that you would, you know, even consider throwing in at this point? No. No, actually, that's my exact list. My exact list is Cousins, Darlene. And the reason Darlene, for me, would be untouchable is because I don't believe any of the struggles perceived and otherwise are really his fault. I really do believe the coaching is a problem with him uh, in terms of his game versus their expectations. Um, I, I, I don't really pin a whole lot of it on him. I think his game, I mean, look at his rookie year. He's, you know, what was he, uh, with Bobby Orr and one other player in terms of points for uh, for an 18-year-old defenseman. I mean, we're, and I think Phil, Phil Housley, I think. Um, and, and again... Yeah, teenage defenseman, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're talking about a guy that look. I, I, I th- there is no issue for me with Rasmus Dahlin, especially under this coaching regime and what they've done with his game. Uh, so, no, he to me he's untouchable because those number one defensemen they don't grow on trees. Dylan Cousins is showing. You know, I, you know, prior to the season, I would have said he's probably an untouchable only because he had so much uh, potential and we hadn't seen it yet. Now that we're seeing his game, he's untouchable. Absolutely. Uh, I liked your addition of Reinhardt. I think Reinhardt's one of those guys that he's never going to be a, a line driver. I, I don't think he's ever going to be a center. Um, whether that's right or not, I don't know. But, I mean, really, he, he's been very good. And you're right. He has made these incremental improvements every single year to the point where he right now, in the right condition, would probably be a, a borderline all-star type player. I don't know that he'll ever make that. He might have a year or two in there where, where he is. But, uh, but, but he's the kind of guy that you need because he's got a lot of abil- different abilities that you need. You know, unique abilities. He's got. They always talk about the high hockey, high hockey IQ, which he does have. But he's got great hands. I mean, look at his deflections in front. Look at his passing game. He knows where to be in all three zones. He's just a really good hockey player. And the thing is, you can never have too many really good hockey players. Uh, prior to the year, I would have said Jack Eichel. Right now, I say absolutely not. Um, you know, the the bottom line here is this: it th- there there's a problem. And we'll talk about it a little bit later, but there, there's a problem in that organization. I don't know what it is. I'm not behind the closed doors. There's an issue. And when your captain is letting a 19- or 20-year-old kid fight to spark the team, uh, you know, I mean, look, we talked about how he may be dealing with injuries, and that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, who knows what will come out down the road uh, about any of this. Uh, and, and how much of this is on the feet of Jack Eichel, how much is not. We don't know. Uh, it's only speculation. But all we can judge is based on what we see on the ice. And quite frankly, the one thing about him that has always bothered me, always, and it's bothering me now worse than ever, is his body language. And I know that's been talked about a lot by a lot of people. Um, and, 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 and again, I'm not trying to blame him and say that you know he's acting he's acting poorly or something. It's just... He wears it so hard when they don't do well that, you know, you could see that bringing the team down. 
and, and I don't think he's doing it on purpose or anything, but it just seems like, you know, it just seems like the whole mood of that team is just in the dumps. Eric Stahl said it. He said, we are, we have no confidence as a group right now. And it shows. And it, the problem is it's a top-down game. You played for a long time. You know how it is. You, there's a leadership group. Whether they have letters on their sweaters or not, there's a leadership group. And the players look to the leadership group. No, no matter how long they've been in the game, they look to them for, the, for exactly that, the leadership. And when the leadership is showing, not talking, but showing poor body language, the rest of the team's going to follow suit. And again, you know, I know it maybe works for him because, you know, that might motivate him or, or whatever the case is, and that's fine. But, but there's a disconnect. There's a problem there. And again, I don't know. It, it's impossible to lay it at someone's feet. Um, but my point, my, my entire point for talking for 36,000 minutes is I don't, leave, I don't put him as an untouchable right now only because it seems like there's a really wide gap in philosophy between coaches, management, players, to where the, the Jack Eichel thing just isn't working right now. Now, that being said, if they change other pieces and then it does work, great. I would much prefer to keep him. Same argument as Darlene. Number one defensemen, they don't grow on trees. Number one centers, they don't grow on trees. How long were the Sabres looking for number one centers? Forever. Since, you know, the last 15 years or whatever. You know, so it's it, it. I'm very reticent to get rid of him because of his talent, because he is a bona fide number one center in the league. There's no question. But at the same time, if he's going to be part of the leadership group, that that mentality has to change. So I don't know if the mentality changes with with him and and getting rid of him or if it's a coaching thing combination. I don't know. But but I but to answer your question, those three guys would be the closest to my untouchables. Um, I. I, you know, and, and the thing is, a lot of times people throw in other other draft prospects like Jack Quinn. I mean, honestly, I probably wouldn't I wouldn't leave him untouchable. But that's kind of biased because of my distaste for how the draft went down. Uh, so that's not really uh, probably an accurate statement. But he's another one you might want to keep on that list just because you don't know what he can bring. And he is a high draft pick. But other than that, I, I like your list a lot. Yeah. And, um, you know, as far as untouchables, I'm definitely going to stop there. Um, I have been impressed with Will Borgen. Uh, obviously, we talked about him last episode. Um, he's going to be out for, I don't know, six, probably six or seven more weeks uh, with his fractured arm. And then Jacob Bryson, um, you know, he, he's not like a superstar, but, man, he looks pretty good. And he can skate. He can skate very well. And I think he's, you know, he's probably earned him spot, himself a spot on this team moving forward. Uh, we don't need to, you know, touch on those guys too much because um, we've got other things to get to, Craig. And, and I know uh, you and I have been itching to get there, so uh, why not? Let's just dive right into it. Folks, this is, quote-unquote, the rant episode. So buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. I hope you uh, can stick through it with us and uh, hang in there because uh, it'll be a, an interesting episode, to say the least. Um, Craig, do you want to get this thing started or, or do you want me to kick it off? You know, wh what are you feeling right now? Why don't you do the honors? Because I like when people rant because then it fires me up even further. I'm already fired up, but I could use a good kick in the pants to really get going. So John, why don't you take it away? And I, I look forward to it. Okay. Okay. So there's so much that we can really, um, talk about during this rant. I'm just going to start it out. We got shut out two games in a row by the Flyers. Back-to-back, three-zip, 
Saturday and Sunday. How in the world, like, I have no idea how a team doesn't bounce back from a 3-0 shellapping and, like, do something respectable on the ice. They, they came out, they probably gave a worse performance, to be honest with you. And it's just mind-boggling that, you know, this team has just completely lost all confidence they have, it looks like they don't really want to be on the ice. I know, I'm not saying they don't care. Everybody who plays professional sports cares to some extent. But like you said, the body language is a big thing for me. And, you know, they give up that first goal or the first two goals, it's over. The game's over at that point. I mean, <laughs> we were talking uh, yesterday before the Rangers game just to give our fans a perspective. And, um, you know, we were trying to figure out when we were going to record this week. And I said, okay, if, if we lose to the Rangers tonight, then we'll record tomorrow because it'll, it, you know, the rant is, is about due at that point. And uh, what was it? 20, 28 seconds into the game, something like that. The Rangers easily got a breakaway and made Hutton just, I don't, I don't know. Hutton has been awful. Ralph Kruger thinks, Goaltending is not the issue with Hutton and Jonas Johansson. Johansson, I don't. I'm not going to get into Johansson. He's sample size is too small. The team in front of him is terrible right now. But Carter Hutton, I be done with hockey. Retire. I'm sorry, you're not good anymore. You you've served your time, and go to the AHL. I don't care. Just get off this team right now. Pull up UPL. Philadelphia did it with Carter Hart. Who cares? At this point, try something different. Try something different. It's not working with Hutton. If Ralph Kruger thinks Carter Hutton's not the problem, then, I mean, I don't know what to tell you because this guy clearly doesn't know hockey. Uh, his save percentage on the season is an 8-9-1. Okay? He's 1-6-1 on the season. And goals against 3.18. Does it get any worse than this? I swear I could throw some pads on and put up comparable stats to Carter Hutton right now. He's done. Get him out of here. Just, I don't care. Sit him on the bench. He's not the best option at this point because he's had enough games. It didn't work the last two years. We've seen a big enough sample size for him. Give Jonas Johansson the shot. I don't care. Do something different at this point, Ralph, because it's just not working with him. And the fact that you're so oblivious to not think that he's a problem on this team is just, oh my gosh, it speaks volumes on your knowledge of hockey. I understand you're a big culture guy, okay? And I'm all for a good culture. And I know, you know, the players have said, oh, I like to play for Ralph Kruger. Taylor Hall, you know, I we praised Ralph Kruger for bringing in Taylor Hall. He was a big selling point for him this offseason. I mean, <laughs> I don't care at this point. I don't care if you like playing for a coach. If he doesn't get results, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. We are playing in the NHL. This is a, supposed to be a professional franchise, and we can't recognize where our faults are and, and what changes to make. It's just absolutely mind-boggling to me. Um, the other thing that I really wanted to get to is the Montreal Canadiens fired Claude Julien and, uh, a very good coach after a nine, five and four start to their season. And the Sabres right now are six, 11 and three. They're two, seven and one in their last 10 games, which is 
30th uh, in the league for the last 10 games stretch. What else do you need to see, Kevin Adams? Is it Kevin a- is does he even have a choice though? And this is something else I want to get into. Does Kevin Adams have the ability to make decisions in this organization? Because it really doesn't feel like it. It's really coming to light that he is the Pagula's yes man. And you know what? It's not if if that's the case, I'm not going to throw Kevin Adams under the bus. We've said, you know, we like some of the moves he brought he he made this offseason. Um they haven't really panned out, but, you know, nobody could have seen Taylor Hall not, you know, doing as well as he's done or, or in the past. Eric Stahl really hasn't looked good at all. Um, but I'm not going to fault Kevin Adams if he is that yes man, okay? The Pagulas need to – you got to fork up the money, okay? I know you don't want to fire Ralph Kruger because you don't want to pay another coach, and I know you got the super yacht that you're you're working on. And I'm really getting into it because it needs to be said. But you got to spend money to get a good product on the ice. You are losing fans right now. The fans, what? What date? What date are they opening uh, for for fans to go to the game? Sometime this month. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. I forget the exact date. But they're going to open open the arena for fans to come in a limited capacity. Fans, if you're listening, don't go. Don't go to the game. Don't watch the games. I don't know how else to send a message to this organization that they just have no idea what they're doing. And the fans, they're not stupid. We're not stupid fans. We can see what's happening. It is an absolute dumpster fire. And yeah, I'm going to say dumpster fire, okay? We've been throwing that word out a long time for different organizations. Now it's Buffalo's turn. We are a dumpster fire and Craig, with that being said, I'm going to pass it off to you. I know I went over a lot. Feel free to cover that again or take it to a whole nother level. The mic's on you, man. So I'm going to piggyback from where you left off, and I'm going to talk about the organization from the top down and my gripes from the top down. Now, full disclaimer, full disclaimer, uh, and I believe you'll agree. None of us mean any disrespect to the organization or people as individuals. This is correct. This is, this is just, this is just a reaction to, and you said a dumpster fire. I think that's a little too much credit because a dumpster fire has containment, right? It's in the dumpster. This has fire. It's gone. There is no containment whatsoever. The fire is down the street. People are roasting marshmallows over it because they don't know what else to do with the fire that's out of control. And let's start at the top, because it is becoming apparent by the minute that management may be an issue. Notice I didn't say the issue, an issue, because the scuttlebutt around social media, and again, you take all this with a grain of salt, because nobody but the these people are behind the closed doors. So obviously this is a reaction to what I'm reading and what I'm seeing, not necessarily the truth. But, however... The, the old expression, where there's smoke, there's fire. Oh, we're coming up with these fire things all the time because that's exactly what's happening. The place is burning down. The entire organization is just coming apart at the seams. And here's the problem. The problem is, if it is true that the Pagulas hired Kevin Adams because they knew he would be a yes man, that's wrong. That's straight wrong. Because you cannot, as an owner, the owner signs the checks. That's their job. 
to sign the checks, to keep the organization afloat, to try and further the organization to more healthy times. That's their job. That's what they signed up for. That's all they need to do. Now, should they have a, a say? Of course, because they own the team. They should have a say, naturally. But if if it is true, as it's being reported, that not only do they need a say, but they have a whole lot of input, that's a problem. These are not hockey people. This is why organizations that are successful have, get this, hockey people at the top making, get this, hockey decisions, not the owners. The owner's job is to go, is this guy going to sell some jerseys? Yeah. Is this guy going to win some games? Yeah. Is this guy going to put butts in seats? Yeah. Sign me up. I'll write the check. If the answer is no to any of those things, then they don't write the check. Completely understandable. That makes sense. They should have a say. And again, I'm not saying this is true. I don't know. But when you've got some really respected journalists from around the NHL who are saying, you know, there's some rumblings of some problems in Buffalo. You've got to figure that there's something going on. I mean, Pat LaFontaine didn't jump ship from this organization in, what, three weeks? He was the president of hockey operations for like three days, and then he left? There's a reason why that happened, because he's a respected guy. And all of a sudden, he's not there anymore. And all the coaches that they've had have been mediocre in their previous stints. And the GMs, I mean, Darcy Regier, I hate to say this, you know, this, you know... It, it, it burns. It just burns me saying this. But he had it all figured out. He said there was going to be pain. There were going to be problems because of the whole roster getting older and all that stuff. And he was right. Honestly, though, John, I'm going to say this, and I'm not sure. I mean, you know, I, I, I might walk with a limp from now on after saying this. But I really think that Darcy Regier would have figured this out. Because that was a guy who was a general manager. He understood the thrust and parry of the league, the politics and dynamics of being a general manager. He wasn't a first-timer like uh, like Murray or Bottrell, who, yes, they were assistant GMs and had the experience. I mean, you know, give those guys credit for, you know, earning the right to be a general manager. But once again, you've got two general managers coming from similar tracks, and they both failed. So now you hire a general, general manager with even less experience than those guys. So I'm with you. I'm not going to blame Kevin Adams one bit because you could see in the offseason he had a plan. He tried to execute that plan, did the best he could with that, made some great moves, made some head scratchers, but still, that, that's okay. I, I'm, I'm not on him because I don't know what his role really is. It says general manager on his door, and I think he does the general managing in terms of the day-to-day -day operations, the day-to-day minutia, but is he really given the general managing power? That's what I'm questioning. And again, if he is, okay, great. That's what he should be. But again, once again, the choice to hire him is what I'm questioning, even, even to this day. Even if he becomes a Stanley Cup champion general manager, you can't look back on his early time and say, why, why was he hired? Outside of the Pagula's knowledge of him, knowing how he would operate, and how he would fit into the culture of their management operation. Look, people say, well, why do the bills work? Because it's pretty obvious that the Pagulas write the checks for the bills and let the football people do football things. And the bills are working. 
the Bills work really well because the football people do football things. If they let hockey people do hockey things, I think life's a whole lot different because I think a lot of choices that have been made wouldn't be made. And, 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 and again, and I, I say this every time we talk about the ownership, I can't appreciate the Pagula family any more than I do for saving pro sports in Buffalo because they did both, both the bills and Sabres and, and they, they will, they could lose every game for the rest of time and they'll still have my respect and, and admiration for those actions because they should be credited for that. But there comes a time when, when Terry Pagula sits up in front of people and says the Sabres sole existence is to win the Stanley cup. I mean, what a great thing to say. What a great thing to say. But nine years later, 10 years later, things are worse than they were when they started breaking things down. And they haven't gotten better. It's not like they're coming down off of a high, right? Where like, oh, three years ago, they were at their high point and, and, and the, they're high up in the standings and they were great and pushing for Stanley Cups and now they're on the downslide. You know, it's not like that at all. They never got out of the downslide. So my, 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 the point of my rant is if it is true that management is a problem, then the Sabres will never get better until management changes their actions. You know, that's the part, that's the part that fires me up beyond belief is that it's this, it's, it's, it's a circle only, 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 you know, it's like running around in circles, but in, in Buffalo, you know, with the Sabres, they run around in squares. They can't even figure out a circle. It, it, it just, it, it drives me nuts because they do the same things over and over again and think, oh, this will work. No, you've done it three times. It didn't work three times ago. Why is it going to work today? All these decisions, all of these, all these signings and, 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 oh, they need a president of hockey operations. No, we don't need that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You need as many people in that building who have experience in, get this, hockey decisions. And right now, you don't. You've got a head coach who's more a philosopher than a coach. Again, and I'm not saying I don't like Ralph Kruger. I'm just, and I think he, I think he works personally with a lot of players, and I like that. I respect that. But it's clear that man. I, I, I don't know what's happening. I don't know. I, I'm going to get to that in a second. It's clear that he's in over his head in this situation. It's clear that they hired a guy in Kevin Adams who has no general managing experience at the NHL level. It's clear that absolutely nothing in this organization, is going well. Save for maybe Dylan Cousins? I don't know. I, 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 I just, I don't understand how long it takes for someone to go, you know, excuse me, but we were supposed to be pretty good, and 10 years later, they're even worse than they were at that time. What's the common denominator? What's the problem? How many coaches? How many general managers? How many guys have come through, and the results are still the same? See, that's the problem. Self-reflection. Self-reflection is one of the hardest things for people to do. But it's time for self-reflection. It's time for every single person, everyone, from the guy selling hot dogs in the front to Terry Pagula himself to sit in a chair and go, you know, what am I doing wrong today? What am I doing wrong? And, and, self-reflection, the next thing you do is you go, what am I doing wrong? And what can I do tomorrow to be better?
Instead of going, eh, nah, not me. That's a problem. Where's the responsibility? Because if you had the responsibility and you sat there and said something's wrong, you would change your change your actions. And if you're not changing your actions, then obviously something is some some kind of communication's wrong there. And it's wrong for the people of Buffalo to have to deal with it. Because this is, bar none, in the United States, the best fan base in the NHL. Look, I understand Canadian fan bases are a little bit different, right? But I'm talking about, you know, you look at all the ratings of these hockey games. People in Buffalo will stay up to watch Colorado and San Jose because they love hockey. Because hockey's part of the lifeblood of Western New York. And, 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 and I mean, look at all those videos of the playoff run from, you know, 15 years ago. People outside the arena. As many people outside the arena as was inside the arena, that place was buzzing, just like they do for the Bills. How many sports cities will buzz as much for the NHL team as they will for the NFL team? Virtually zero, but Buffalo's one of them. Those people deserve better. Those people have deserved better since 1970. They deserve better. And look, I'm not even talking about Stanley Cups because at some point, you know, winning a Stanley Cup, there is some luck involved. You have to have the right year. You have to have the right streak, right? And that's not on management, you know? I don't blame management for them losing the Cup in 99. Brett Hall skate, on the other hand, yeah, I'll blame that. But again, I'm not blaming it because that's not a management thing, right? But there comes a point where you have to point the finger at management and say, what is going on? And then, and then, see, John, you gave me the microphone, and, and now I'm scaring the sewer rats down here, and, and, and even, even they're leaving me right now. And then, okay, now I'm not going to blame them for hiring Ralph Kruger because I got to be honest with you, I liked the hire when it happened. I really did. I thought he got a raw deal in Edmonton. I thought, you know, he, he, he was at, and then you see what he did in, in the uh, world championship with Team Europe, right? They were this underdog, and they ended up going to the final. I mean, you had to be impressed, okay? So, so I like the hire. So I'm not going to be a, a hindsight person and say, oh, they shouldn't have hired him. No, I, I liked it. I thought it was a good hire. But you have to know when the, sh when the ship, it's not even sinking anymore. Divers are coming back looking for buried treasure at this point. That ship is gone. I mean, I mean it's, it's over. I mean, it's starting to, the hull has rusted away from that ship. And, and, and almost inexcusably, you're seeing, I love this. So the team doesn't work, right? 6-11 and 3. Yeah, it's not working. So, so what, what does Ralph Kruger do? I love this. This is great. What does he do? He sits a former 40-goal scorer, not once, not twice, but thrice, and says, you need to learn from the press box. This is not a guy who's been in the league for three days. This is a guy who's been in the league for, what, eight, nine years? He doesn't need three games in the press box. Sorry. Your culture doesn't make any sense. If, if, if that's what you need for your culture, your culture's wrong. Because the bottom line is culture begets self-responsibility. You want to talk about culture. You don't force culture onto somebody. You force, you force culture onto somebody, you'll get limited results at best. You can't tell a guy, this is what you're going to do for our culture. No, do, you do what the Bills do. The Bills bring in guys who, before they hit the door, they know these guys are going to be okay with the culture that's been established. The culture starts with the coach and the coaching staff and management. It starts there. 
You, you don't try to get the players to buy into culture. It has to be organic. Talk about the stories from Sean McDermott from his first training camp. What did the players talk about? The times where he had players stand up and tell personal stories, personal tragedies, personal things about one another. Why? So that the players got to know each other as human beings and not football players. Because when you get to know someone as a human being, you'll play for them. You're not playing with them. You're playing for them. A completely different thing. Those guys, the Bills, those guys would run through a brick wall for each other. From the practice squad up to Josh Allen. All those guys, they play for one another. Okay, That's culture. That's an organic, natural culture. The culture Ralph Kruger seems to be talking about is a force upon culture. This is what we want. This is what you must do. No, see, Sean McDermott, from everything we've heard, again, outsider perspective, of course, it's it's not, it's not, this is what you're going to do. It's, okay, this is what I expect, but you're a human being. You're a person. You're going to react the way you're going to react. But if you don't, but, but, we have the right to cut bait if you're not that kind of person. But then the way he 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 the way he developed the culture, everybody wanted it. Everybody naturally bought into it because everybody said, you know what? I like what he's selling. Not he's forcing me to do it, but I like what he's selling. And then they played for each other. This Sabres team doesn't play for each other. They act like they don't care about each other. I know they do. I know they do because a lot of these guys have been around for a while, and, and I know they do. I mean, it, it's it's human nature. You know, there's lots of friendships, a lot of a, a lot of deep relationships in this team, but there's a whole lot of individual hockey on the ice. One of the Rangers commentators last night was talking about how they were a bunch of individuals and how they should be embarrassed. I mean, how many times do you hear someone say that about a hockey team? Virtually never. I mean, if, 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 there's a media, if there's a conservative media fan media base in pro sports, it's the NHL. People, the most cliche answers come out of everyone's face at all times. This guy said, you know what? They're terrible. And he wasn't wrong. And, and again, I'm not sitting here saying it's all the players' fault. I think it's one of those things. It has just trickled down. And the players are just going, Why? Why, why should I play 110%? And I think they are. I think that the sad thing is, I think they are playing 100%, a lot of them. And it's still not working because in the back of their minds, and John, you hit it right on the head, it's one nothing, it's 2 nothing, it's over. And they know that. They know from the hop that that's, you get down early, you don't have a chance. And that is the sign of a hockey team that needs literally to be, the table has to be thrown over. And it, it, it's it's just, it's frustrating when your team's not good. But when you see a plan and you see a development and you see kind of uh, a path, you know, you feel better about that. But when you see the Sabres and it looks like it's a rudderless ship, you, 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 you have no feelings of optimism whatsoever. And then you start getting into apathy. And let me tell you something. Buffalo is as loyal as they are. The the Sabres and Bills fans, Buffalo sports fans, as loyal as they are, they're starting to show apathy. Anger is fine because anger is an emotion based, based on passion. You know, disappointment because you care, right? Those things are what were happening in the Buffalo fan base. Now it's apathy. They don't care. And when they don't care, 
they don't come back. Because when you can emotionally disconnect from something, you have no emotional reason to return. And your whole nostalgia and your, your want to be associated with an organization, it goes away. And you realize you could spend money doing a whole lot of other things that make you happy. And then you're not putting money back into that system because now the Sabres have become a negative impact in your life. And how do you get those people back? You don't. So uh, I don't know what they're going to do, but they got to figure it out in a hurry because uh, I'm still emotional, so I still care. You're still emotional. You still care. But I'm here to tell you, the moment the apathy sets into this fan base, the Pagulas are going to realize that there was there were mistakes made and they should have reacted sooner. End rant. I mean, I don't I don't even know how to follow that up. Everything you said I agree with. And I I do want to go back to one point you made quite quite some time ago. You know, thank you to the Pagulas. You know, they did save uh, Buffalo Sports and for that, you know, we're eternally grateful, right? Um, so I just want that to be clear. You said it. I'm saying it. You know, thank you to them for financially investing. You know, they do care. They do care about the Bills, obviously. They do care about the Sabres. It's just not working. And for whatever reason, like you said, behind closed doors, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Because they don't know hockey. Maybe they got lucky with being in McDermott. I mean, they, they tried Rex Ryan. That didn't work. So they're not, they're, they're not batting 100%. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know where they go from here. Because they've dug themselves such a hole with this organization. And you're right. Fans are beginning to not care. And I don't know how you get fans back after that. I really don't. I remember going to the playoff game in 06-07 against the Rangers. It was game five at home. I was at that game with my father. And, I mean, if, if for, for those of you listening that don't remember what happened, we were down one nothing. Chris Drury... Of all players, of course. Ties it up with a little over seven seconds left in the game. Place goes bananas. Absolutely electric. I've never felt a feeling of such joy in my life. Okay, we go to overtime. We're on the power play. My favorite player, Max Afinaganov, rips a shot from the point. Goes past Lundqvist. Sabres win in overtime. We're up three games to two. We win the next game, I believe, and we're on to the next round. And to be a part of something so special like that, that that is what made me fall in love with this team. And you know what? That is 14 years ago? 13, 14 years ago now, Craig? And... (laughs) I haven't felt that way about this team in a long time. There were some false feelings from the 10-game winning streak we had, but that's exactly what it is. It's false feelings because it it wasn't this team is actually turning it around. 
They were on a hot streak. They had confidence. And then it wore off because something's wrong with this organization. And until they fix it, and I don't even know, I don't even know, Craig, if they're the people that can fix it at this point. I couldn't tell you. I really don't have that answer for you. So it's really disheartening at this point. And, you know, I, I don't blame fans who just, who've given up on this organization, who don't like this team, who don't love this team anymore, who don't care. I don't blame you whatsoever because it's years and years and years of suffering. Okay? It, people can only take so much. It's not good for their mental health. Thank God we had the season we had from the Bills this past year. Otherwise, I don't know what would have happened in the city of Buffalo. Okay? But oh, I don't know what else to say at this point. It's it, The season is over. 20 games into the season, it's over. They're, they're, there's no way. <laughs> I don't, like, the craziest comeback of the season, like, something insane would have to, it would be the craziest sports story of all time if the Buffalo Sabres managed to get into the playoffs. Heck, they could even put 24 teams in the playoffs, and they still wouldn't make it this year. Again. I, I don't have anything else to say, but the season's over. This roster is absolutely loaded with talent. There's no reason we should not be succeeding. I don't care. I don't care about COVID. I don't care that, you know, we missed some time. I don't care. The players are injured. I don't care anymore. There's no more excuses because it's, we've been making excuses for this team for 10 plus years. It's it, I'm done. I'm done giving them partial credit. I don't care if they looked better against the Rangers last night. I don't care that they were within a goal. I don't care because they're losing year in and year out and – I, I do care. I do care. I'm just upset and angry as well as I should be and every Sabres fan out there. And at this point, you know, we're just the players. I don't I don't blame them if, if they're, you know, feeling discouraged. It's not their fault. It's not Jack Eichel's fault. It's not Taylor Hall's fault. It's not Jeff Skinner's fault. And it's it's not one person. It's just years and years and years of negativity and losing and it just you you get to a point where you can't overcome that anymore and it really feels like that's where we're at because you and I both said with the moves we made this offseason with the players that we had coming up we thought I don't know maybe maybe they'll make the playoffs they'll probably be close Maybe they'll be a borderline team. They'll, they should definitely be better than last year. Well, they're worse. They are worse than they were last year. I don't know how. Because this team is so loaded with talent. It doesn't, it just doesn't compute. Doesn't make sense. I don't know. I, I'm done. I'm done saying what I gotta say. I'm sure there'll be more rants down the road here soon. Craig, you got anything to uh, to wrap this thing up? Yeah, I, I, I think the point has to be made, actually, and I know we've been talking about them a lot, but uh, talking about the Pagulas and them caring, I actually really, truly believe they care too much. I, I really believe that. I think that's actually part of the problem. 
is that, you know, you care too much and then maybe the decision making becomes a little more clouded because it's going through more channels than it necessarily has to. And and I don't know. Is that part of the problem? I, I don't know. But but you hit the nail on the head, John. I mean, the, the, the reality is, you know, it, it's funny because you just showed the seven stages of grief all within a, a 10 minute rant. I mean, the reality of the matter is, is that's how everyone's feeling. You know, you've got all these pent up, you know, you've got anger and then there's that bargaining. And then, you know, then you kind of come down. Oh, OK, well, and then, you you know, the, you finally get to the acceptance. The problem is, you know, acceptance used to be in, in Saberland. Acceptance used to be, OK, they're getting better or OK, I see the improvement. All right. And that's where the acceptance would lie. And that little glimmer or glint of optimism is what would get people through to from this season to the next season. And, you know, just that optimism of, oh, I see the improvements. I see the improvements. And and I loved how you said it. There's no more partial credit. There's no more of that. There's no more of saying, okay, well, they were pretty good at the end of the year. So what? It doesn't matter because when it matters, which is right now, because this season's so truncated that you need you need to do well from the hop and the fact that what 20 games in you're basically done. Um, I mean, you hate to say they're done after 20 games, but let's call it the way we should call it. I mean, it's going to take a Herculean effort and I don't see it. Where's it going to come from? Where's this? If this, if the spark has to come from a guy who's like what, 20 years old fighting and then you, and then, and then you proceed to only put up five shots the rest of the game in a game where you're only behind a, by a goal to a team that you should be beating. No. What kind of spark was it? You know, it's obviously not enough. There, there's the, unfortunately with this team, as it's constructed today, mentally, I don't think there's anything you can do. I really don't. Even if you fire Ralph Kruger tomorrow, it's not going to change a whole lot because it's the same group of players in that, in that locker room. And, and, the, and, and look, I don't envy them. Because what they're dealing with mentally is is impossible to get over. It seems impossible to get over. And it would be really, really difficult. And I agree with you. I'm, I'm not going to be blaming the players. Now, there, there is some responsibility. for. I mean, Taylor Hall's had how many breakaways? And he hasn't scored. Jeff Skinner's had, you know, he's approached, what, 40 shots this year? He hasn't scored. You know, th- there are things about this team I could say, okay, well, they've got to finish the chances. They've got, you know, the little minutiae of hockey. Okay, but that's as far as I'm going to go because I don't really think the whole culture issue is their fault. I don't think the self-confidence issue is their fault. I don't think the majority of this is, the, is, is on the players. Um, I think the majority of it's on the organization from the top down. I think the entire thing is a problem. That's why we talk about dumpster fires. No, it's out of the dumpster. It, the, the, the dumpster contained it three or four years ago. Now it's all over the place. And, and, and I don't know how you put that out. So... Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you make a personal choice, you know, whether you're going to care or not. And unfortunately, a lot of people are kind of making that personal choice that they, there, there are better because look in, in this pandemic right now, mental health is a real issue. It's a real problem uh, for a lot of people and sports were the way to get past it, which is why the bill season was so magical, right? Because the bills were able to provide hope. The bills were able to provide happiness for what? 15 Sundays. 13 regular season and two postseason wins, you know, 15 Sundays out of a fall into the winter. That's pretty good where they could put some smiles on the people's faces and, 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 and bless them for doing that. Because I got to tell you what, they did it in a really difficult time. All right. So they should get a lot of credit for that as well. Uh, and I'm not putting this on the feet of the Sabres, 
But the problem is that's what ends up happening, right? Because if they're not going to produce, if they're not going to do what they need to do, uh, and and they're, they're I mean, it, the entire organization is making things worse. And when that happens, people will cut bait. And 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 you don't blame. And, and that's just the thing. You can't blame them. You know, you can't say, oh, the Sabres fans aren't loyal. Oh, yes, they are. Buffalo sports fans are the most loyal fans on earth. I mean, most fan bases would have quit years ago. But because the Sabres and the Bills are part of the lifeblood of that town, and the Bandits, and the Bisons, I mean, all of them, all of them, they're all part of the lifeblood of that town. They mean something to those people. You told a great story about being at a playoff game with your dad. I used to go to games with my dad as well. I sat in the second row on opening night in 1991, Sabres-Penguins, and it was right after, maybe it was 92, but it was after the Penguins had won one of their two Stanley Cups in the early 90s. I saw Lemieux and Yager all up close. It was, it was magic in that building. And it was, a, it was the home opener of the 91-92 season. And, and people were just buzzing. They lost 7-5. to five. I'll never forget. 7-5, to 6-5. It was a high-scoring game. I remember that. And it was great, but it was great. Great hockey. Right? They're playing the best team in the league, and, and, and they, they were with them the whole game. And it was awesome. People cared. Because th- those stories make a difference to the people. The odd made a difference to people. The rock pile made a difference to people, right? You know, these places, the, these, these players, the organizations, the, the characters, everything. It means everything to the people of Buffalo. And when you've got people that refuse to see that and refuse to check themselves at the door and say, okay, look, we're not doing this for a bottom line. We're not doing this for money. We're not doing this for glory, for fame. We're doing this for the people of Buffalo. Because those people make a difference to us. And if you're not doing it for the people of Buffalo, then you shouldn't be doing it at all. And, and to me, that's really at the heart of this thing. Because it feels personal. It's not. You know, they're not doing anything personally to us. They're not trying to, you know, be insulting to us, right? But it feels that way, doesn't it? It feels as though they're, they're not doing the best they can for these people. And that's a problem. Because these people do the best they can for them. These people pay money for tickets, for jerseys, for hot dogs. They come every they, they come all the time. For what? To see their team get blasted off the ice constant constantly. But they'll but they'll but they keep coming back, right? Because it's part of the lifeblood and it makes a difference. And and, and that's what upsets I John, that's what upsets me the most. That's what upsets me the most because these people deserve better. Uh and, and I think the players and management, I think they would all agree with that. But the problem is no one's taking the steps to improve it and to change it. And that, to me, that's that's where this organization is falling short right now, is that no one is taking the steps to stand up and go, okay, look, you know, something's got to change, and it's got to change wherever the issue is, right? Whether it's at the very top, middle management, I don't know. I don't know. But it's got to change for those people. That That's the bottom line. And I'm going to go take a shower now. All right. Well, Craig, I mean, I think you really, really nailed it there. And I'm sure a lot of Sabres fans – um, have feelings that can echo exactly what we uh, spoke about tonight. Um, so thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure there'll be uh, some more of this later down the road. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a tough time. It's a tough time for us fans. So hang in there. Just remember, uh, you know, hopefully we're going to be able to go to Bill's games this fall and, and hang your hat on that. Um, but yeah. Thanks again for tuning in, guys. Have a great rest of your day, your night, whatever it is. And don't forget to check out our website, 
buffalohockeycentral.com, and we'll see you next time. Bye.